0: I just want to take a couple of minutes to talk about one of the sponsors of our podcast, and that is 503 Sports. 503 Sports is a site very well known for their throwback merchandise for a multitude of leagues, whether it be, for example, the World League of American Football, the World Football League, or in our case, the Arena Football League. I mean, if you're looking for any type of throwback merchandise from those teams that don't exist anymore, whether it be shirts, caps, Customizable jerseys that you can get your own name and number. Detroit Drive, San Jose Sabercats. What? They're the place that has them. And just for our listeners of the podcast, they have a special offer just for you. If you use the promo code ARENAFAN when you check out, you'll get 10% off your very first order. So head over to 503 sports.com, use the promo code ARENAFAN, get 10% off, and you want to thank them for being a sponsor of AFL Tonight. Sam, I'm going to interrupt you right there. I, so I listen to the podcast every week. And I, I'm with the other guys, man. What what
1: are you talking
0: about? <laughs> what is the
1: silly story? It's the postseason. If anything, it's the serious season. I know. I don't, I don't understand where you're going. <laughs>
0: Welcome to AFL Tonight, ArenaFan.com's weekly look at everything arena football. I'm your host, Tim Capper, along with John Stark. Yo! And Ben Fretinale. Woo! <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> uh, it's, it's a weekly thing now, Ben. we gotta know, got to know how you're going to do it, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you now, know, bringing back the
0: air horn a little bit. Yeah, so uh, how you guys doing? If you can make that noise coming out of your mouth, then we'd all be impressed.
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm doing all right. Man. Yeah, you yeah. are you? Fun, man? Good, good, good. So, uh, uh, John, how soft is that Phenom Polo? Uh
3: man, it's like sleeping. Question. It's like sleeping on a bed of Cottonelle toilet tissue. <laughs> and, I mean, that, that stuff is. Are we ridiculous. talking
2: about the the hoodie?
3: Yes. Yeah, oh, dude. Oh my
2: god, that hoodie is so comfortable. It's ridiculous. I, I have slept oh, in it, it multiple times.
0: My thought was, why were you wearing it today? Was is it is it chilly down there? Are
3: oh you, yeah, it actually um, it rained here really hard yesterday, so actually this morning it was in the mid sixties. So okay. I I got away I got away with it. Okay, okay. Mid
2: July hoodie wear is a psycho move. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Depending,
0: it's like 100 yeah. degrees out. I don't know. Depending on where you are, Will, I mean, I would not have worn that on on, on Saturday this week. It was oh, just no, it, it was brutal here in Montreal. I mean, a four o'clock football game sitting in that thing, and pff, it was nuts.
2: Yeah, it would have passed away. <laughs> I
0: was just sweating, <laughs> just it, just sweating itself. It's like, you know, bought a new jersey and stuff like that. And it's like, I am not wearing this. There's no way I'm going to wear this when you know with the humidex, it was like 100 degrees so i was like screw that (laughs) good god keep capper cold yes yes hashtag yes hashtag keep capper cold uh guys we we finished the regular season it's done i don't has it gone that quick
2: i mean i'm lost for words i I, yeah it, it came and it went um and it's, it's, unble- I mean, every season goes like this yeah, where know, it just slips it's- from our hands like dry sand. You know, it's, it's, life is, is so short and fleeting. And we have to deal with this every day when we, like sands know. through the hourglass. When yes. We wake so, up. So the, these are the days. Should we of wake our lives. up. You know, it could be the last. But anyway,
0: um, <laughs> we end with obviously, it was just a matter of where the teams were going to be seated this week. Um, and, you know, going into the playoffs. And by the way, speaking of playoffs, a little bit later on in the show, uh, we are going to be having uh, uh, two guys from the AFL Network who are going to be joining us to talk about the playoffs, Dan Dolan and Eric Arditi. If you, if you watch any of the AFL Network broadcasts, you know these guys. they running their butts off up and down on the sidelines, doing interviews and stuff like that. They're, they're going to be here. We're going to have a, a playoff round table. Um But there really was... Can we say that really? was only really one game that really solidified what the what the playoffs were going to end up being. I mean, yes, I know it, it came down to two technically. Well, Saturday Saturday's game. Let's just say Saturday's game were the ones that really put everything into order, and Sunday's game was kind of a uh, a meaningless game. Um, right. Uh, it, it was based off of the Washington Valor Columbus game, wherever that game was, and the loser uh, and it, what Philadelphia did versus Albany. And being that the, the games really didn't mean that much, we're, we're not going to do our normal stuff here, guys. So we're going to just uh, just go over a couple of, uh, of things that we noticed from the games themselves, and then, then we'll continue. Because uh, also this week we have uh, uh, our year-end awards. We're going to talk about those and uh, see how nuts we are when it comes to who we chose. Um, but first I want to say, guys... Uh, especially about i never thought that the columbus washington game would be probably one of the best games i have seen all season especially <laughs> from, especially from columbus uh and kyle rally can i say by the way first thing um he needs to get his helmet fit on his head because i don't God. know how many times it came off uh and even though he kept on getting destroyed the dude is a baller he kept on playing and Would it surprise any of you if he is a starting quarterback for a possible team or expansion team next season?
2: I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously that was outside of the realm of possibility until this game. Um, It's still hard to say with his age. I know he did look good, but I wonder, you know, a full season. He had a full season of rest. He had two years of rest, actually. So I, I wonder if, you know, he could last a full season at that age. We haven't seen that. I can't. Tim, can you think of the last time we saw that? Ah, quarterback that old. Um, uh, besides starting Aaron, in the AFL, well,
0: besides Aaron Garcia,
2: right? Well, yeah, Aaron Garcia is the the last example of that, yeah. and that went pretty well, I would say. I mean, the teams he was on were not very successful toward the end, but uh, it's possible. It's just a little bit hard to imagine, uh, you know, a, a, especially an expansion team who's probably trying to build something from the, you know, from nothing, uh, starting out with a forty-year-old quarterback seems a little weird. So, so maybe. Uh, I would. I could see Columbus keeping him, and maybe him and Russell sort of tag yeah. team, and him being the vet, and maybe like a, a coaching figure. And I think that would be fair because he obviously showed he can come out, you know, from nothing and perform. So that's that's what a backup needs to be able to do.
3: I mean, yeah. I mean, that was one of their best performances all season. Oh no! Yeah.
2: kidding.
0: no kidding. I mean,
3: they only lose. It was only
0: fifty six fifty, and it, it came down to, again. Washington Washington, uh, scoring, it wasn't a walk-off, but uh, Washington scoring uh, and going ahead at 221 of the fourth on a Reggie Gray touchdown and a two-point convert. They gave him fits. Uh, Columbus gave him fits all day long. And as I said, Raleigh was just getting destroyed. I'm very surprised that more flags weren't thrown considering how late it seemed that he was getting hit after he tossed, after he threw the ball. Just it was just absolutely crazy. I mean, going basically going head to head with Arvell Nelson the entire time.
2: Yeah, it was a beautiful sight to see. You know, for and, sure.
0: and you know what's funny?
2: You look at Gotta this, respect it.
0: You look at the stats. Kyle Raleigh was fourteen to thirty-three. Arvell Nelson was sixteen to thirty-two. Two fifty-three two fifty-three for Raleigh, two forty-two for uh for Nelson, and then five T D, six Ts, etc. So it's I, I think really it's funny. We we talk about it all year when it came to Columbus, the things that really cost them games or interceptions and kyle's really his in the second half kind of did it <laughs> i mean they they what did they had just gotten the ball back after a turnover after turnover on downs i think it was and then the first play uh he throws a pick and that that right there i think that that's where uh, it it put them up put washington up for good
2: right so well even to even to the, the very end of the game i think uh they, they hung so strong, like, like despite that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Columbus needs to be held responsible for giving up 22 points in the fourth quarter. I think that's, you know, I, I think Kyle Riley did about as much as anyone could have done to win this game. So yeah. I think it was just a, a little bit of a team failure. But overall, a decent way to go out for Columbus.
0: And, and what about Varma Sony? Holy crap. 55-yard kickoff return, to, you know, taking the place of Fabian Guerra for the week. Didn't see that one coming.
2: Yeah, here comes yeah. that boy.
0: By the way, sp- yeah. speaking of him, I checked it last year with four teams. We had a grand total. It was three kickoff returns for touchdowns. This year, we had two players that each had three, and we had a grand total of 12.
2: It's pretty crazy. I mean, Joe Powell just broke out this year. Obviously, Fabian yeah, those are the two, uh, was three. a huge force. Yeah. Yeah. Two, yeah. Three, so, I yeah. mean, Joe Powell was nasty. Yes. We'll get to him. Yeah.
3: Backtracking real quick on that fourth quarter, Ben. Um, Washington's offensive line is a little too much to handle for Columbus there because two of those touchdowns in the fourth were quarterback keepers, Nelson runs. Um, I just don't think that they could handle James Atoy and guys like uh, Anthony Parker, DeVarick Gallington, all that. Right, right. I mean, they, they let them get to that point in the field, but yeah.
0: Um, I think the other biggest surprise, by the way, too, was uh, what's your thought, guys, on on Philadelphia just getting shellacked?
2: I okay, I have a take on this. Okay, and I have a take that this game means absolutely nothing. I mean, I, if you I share I, I think this. if you look at the box score, you'll be like, "Holy crap, what the hell happened?" But if you actually watch the game, I mean, both teams basically. I want to say took themselves out of the contest by halftime, which was a close game at halftime. Right, and I think uh, Philly
3: did it yeah. sooner. I
2: think Philly uh, took yeah. them out sooner. Yeah, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, because Philly. I mean, Philly took out. Um, well, Reddickville had a half. Each each of the yeah, he had a half. half. Both of them had a yeah, half. Yeah, both right? of them had a half. Yeah. So at that point, I sort of threw away the game in terms of like actually judging anyone based on what was going to happen in the second half, because you know Patrick O'Brien is not you know, a proven starter. This is what happens when no. you take out your star quarterback. It's fine. No, but also Jason Espinoza remains almost immaculate. Uh-huh. I don't know if these numbers have stood out to you guys, but his five for five um, gives yeah. him another game of almost perfection. Um, I believe he has what, like a 93% pa- <laughs> completion percentage this year.
3: And his um, quarterback rating touchdowns. this year is one hundred and fifty two
0: point three. He's 12 of 13 for with four touchdowns. Yeah. This yeah. is a
3: legendary 16. season. It is, man. 156 quarterback rating. That one completion <laughs> kills me.
0: But <laughs> I, 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 under, I, I get it too. But, you know, but Philadelphia still had a chance to do something. By the way, Philadelphia lost 72-27. But they, they – even after the Washington game, they still had – was it – it really wasn't set in stone. They, they could have had a two or a three seed. I mean it still meant something, didn't it? I mean it's not like Coach Coach Dozell to say, eh, whatever. But I can understand why both teams, you know, uh, benched their their starting quarterbacks. It made a ton of sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and they benched several other starters. Yes. I mean, the defense was, was backups. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's uh, it's almost not w- worth discussing. It was basically like watching a preseason game in the second half, and yeah. Albany just I, Albany is so strong. You know, Mason Espinosa is an AFL legend, and you know they just continued <laughs> turning on the Jets, and and that's. <laughs> Patrick O'Brien had no chance facing off against him.
0: Uh, for those of you who didn't happen to watch, Albany outscored Philadelphia 42-7 in the second half. What about uh, the last game? we we'll just mention it real quickly. Atlantic City finishes the season uh, at 5-7. Uh, five, five uh, no, no, sorry, 4-8. and eight. And uh, how would you— uh, I mean, this is the, the very first expansion team that uh, Coach James has ever been a head coach of. Uh, how would you uh, how would you rate how how this Atlanta City Blackjacks team did
3: not necessarily not a fan base but how how this team did overall, John? I would say they did quite well. Um, I want to even give them like if we're going on like a letter grade from school, okay. I would give them um, a B minus to be honest with you because I've been looking at some numbers while we've been talking, and if we look back two years, even you know we've got a couple of expansion teams in uh, the Valor and the Brigade and we go back to their first year in 2017 they really didn't do much better than Atlantic City did at all they went 3 and 11 and 4 and 10 uh and then last year the Valor went 2 and 10 so for Atlantic City to finish 4 and 8 i think i think they did all right i think the b minus grade is
2: is fair i think it's a good grade actually it's kind of perfect because mm. i think from what we saw from from Atlantic City they were very much a strong contender this year very you know despite their their rises and falls you know they lost their starting quarterback um their backup quarterback ended up being electric and then he got injured even though that was too little too late um I, I think the thing that disappoints me about Atlantic City this year and why I think B minus is a good grade is you know it turned out they had a bunch of stars I think I think even before the season we didn't even realize how good their receivers were going to be Um, we didn't realize how effective some aspects of their team ended up being, and they still only ended up with four wins. So I think that's the big disappointment coming with Atlantic City, and I don't know exactly what to chalk that up to. Uh, I don't want to blame coaching, because Ron James is obviously a great coach, uh, and and they have Stafford. I mean, they have an amazing coaching staff. So I'm not really sure. I think next year we can expect uh, a much bigger coming-out party for them. Although... There's a there's a certainly a question mark as to who their starter is going to be. That's true too. I mean, and they case they've
0: had at least one. Well, I mean, I think at least three more wins. They they blew that 14 point lead in their very first game to Philadelphia. That that should have been a win. Uh, this game it makes you wonder how this team would have been if you know if uh, uh, Warren Smith or or uh, or Hip had not gotten hurt. So it's um, but I think you guys were talking before too. Oh, by the way, uh, Baltimore did win uh, 35 28. It really didn't matter the winner, winner, or loser from this game because Baltimore was either way going to end up as a four seed based on the results from Saturday night. Um, you were talking about it before, I think, Ben. You were talking about uh, um, uh, you're probably with Joe Powell. Oh man! Oh my god! Yeah!
2: What a monster!
0: F- fumble return, fifty six yard uh, kick. Uh, sorry, missed
2: field goal return for a touchdown. Um, yeah, it's he had me reevaluating my like season end awards. <laughs> Um, just just seeing how dominant he is out there. I mean, I still, I'm sticking with my, my guys, which we'll get to later, but he has been just, I mean, he's an NFL caliber guy. I mean, he was in the yeah. NFL, yeah. and we all know that. So I, I think he's just one of those guys who's consistently going to be one of the star players in this league. But what he's done on kick returns this year is something we've never seen from him before. And wow, I mean, he's been unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Um, What is your thought going forward about Baltimore's uh, uh, quarterback situation. Because, That's yes, a great question. Yeah, because Joe Hill. Yeah, even though yeah, Joe Hills was not. A, he was. He had been suspended for this game, um. So he wasn't able to continue his streak. By the way, for people are asking, it's a, it's consecutive games played. That's why his streak did not end. Um. So yeah, Brandon Collins is out on IR too. Yeah. Collins is out. I know. Well, well yeah. Paul, picking up Rod Winters, I think was huge. But he, he did get in yeah. he did four receptions, twenty-seven yards. But um, of uh, 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 anyway, quarterback. Going into the playoffs like this, Shane Boyd seems to be on a on the downturn of the wrong. Yeah, turn. he's limping in. That's yeah, only 109 yards and a touchdown. Even though we do know that uh, Atlantic City was basically was playing all out, so
2: it's I don't know. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a good question um, in terms of next season. I mean, I think Shane Boyd overall had a good season. Uh, I, I don't think he was like a star of the league no. or anything, but but he was really solid. He was. We 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 talked earlier in the season, like w- what side of Shane Boyd are we gonna get today? Sometimes he's, you know, completely lights out, amazing, and sometimes he just throws, he just gives up a dud. Yeah, and I think more often than not this season he did give really consistently good performances, so that was a big positive. Wasn't this
0: his but, re- his yeah. first
2: first full
0: year as a starter? I think
2: I think so. Yeah, and, and my question is, what comes out of the Atlantic City quarterback situation because Hippard may become available again, at which yeah. point he may come back to Baltimore. Yeah. I could see that happening. Um, and so that's sort of the X factor. To, you know, just if Baltimore has an opportunity to bring in Hippard again, I think they pick him over Shane Boyd. Um, but if they don't, you're risking going for a young talent. And maybe they keep Shane Boyd. I don't know whether he'd want this, but he could be... He could return to the backup or like mentor role. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, he's definitely an older player in this league, so you know, I could see that that role being great for him. But I'm sure he's not ready for it yet.
0: Yeah. Uh, the season ended up being Albany was top seed with the record of ten and two. Uh, the next three teams are all seven and five based off of tiebreakers. Washington was second. Philadelphia was third, and Baltimore was fourth. As I said, Atlantic City finished uh, four and eight, and then Columbus at one and eleven. We teased it on social media. It's been teased on a couple of the message boards, on my uh, pages on Facebook. And uh, John, uh, I am bringing you in for this one. There is a contest that we are running, and for those who who didn't see the posts on any of the sites or on social media first, why haven't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but go ahead and explain what we're giving out. Uh, go ahead and. Uh, then tell everybody how they can win.
3: All right, so we're giving away a $50 Ticketmaster gift card and a pair of wireless Skullcandy Bluetooth headphones so that you can listen to our podcast. Uh, So how do you win? You listen, you're listening right now. Uh, There's a trivia question that's about to come up. That trivia question is... There are two receivers that finished with the same number of receptions this year. Uh, They both finished with 72, and they play for a certain team. They both play for the same team. Uh, We need to know which team that was. To get the answer, you can go to AFL Digital. Up at the top, there's a drop-down menu, and that says League Leaders, That'll pop up with the 2019 league leaders. There's a select report menu. You just click on that and it will say receiving. Then you'll be able to find the answer to the question for which two receivers tied with the same number of receptions at 72 playing for the same team. Uh, so when you find that out, you can either comment on the thread on Twitter or facebook or the facebook groups that we posted this on comment your answer there uh which would be which team that is along with the bonus word and the bonus word is ben come up with uh, a bonus word. okay
2: let's think what would be <laughs> applicable to us how about who
3: okay the bonus word is ooh that's gonna be <laughs> Spell however
2: you want and that's where the creativity comes into this contest
3: fantastic so the correct entries uh, will be entered into a random dot org list on Saturday evening, and it will be recorded on video when that list is randomized. The winner will be announced all over the posts, and will be contacted immediately.
2: Yeah. And will be sold, and we will be <laughs> sending trojan viruses to each and every one of the entrants. Uh, so look look out for that too.
3: Yes. Very good. Very good.
0: But yeah. Cool. So, uh, as we talk about the, the playoffs coming up, so the, the playoffs, uh, will be as follows. And as I said, we will be talking about that very shortly with the guys, um, is, uh, on, uh, it's going to be, uh, Albany and Baltimore, DC and Philadelphia. And those will be, the schedules are already up. You can head over to arena fan.com and check it out and see, uh, we'll be previewing them a little bit later too. And, uh, so you can see where what where it's going to be what channel it's going to be on where you can watch it online you know regular uh, terrestrial tv whatever it's you'll be able to you'll be able to see where where the games are going to be um, along with the announcement guys of the playoff schedule the league released the uh arena bowl 32 logo and um i i don't there's not been any i don't I haven't really any, seen any true you know, reaction to the logo itself, other than what we posted over on the uh, on our front page poll at Arena Fan. But uh, one of the main differences between this logo and wow, since Arena Bowl '93, is that there are no Roman numerals in the actual logo itself. They've gone away from the Roman numerals, and it just says it's Arena Bowl '32. I did reach out to not only the league but also to Commissioner Bow to try to find out the. Uh, their thought process on eliminating or removing the uh, Roman numerals. And is this going to be the template going forward a la Stanley Cup finals, a la the Super Bowls, you know, the great cup, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Tim, I, na- they're, t- they're telling us
2: the old world is dead.
0: Yeah. yeah something. <laughs> I
2: mean, yeah, there, there's some validity to that, John. Like, uh, you know, it, the league is defining itself right now as a different kind of sports organization and that is a non-traditional, you know, sports organization that's going with a single entity thing that's leading into betting and, and being tech driven. So it makes sense to me that they ditch the Roman numerals, which are very old world, and go with something just immediately accessible. You see it, you know what it is. Yeah. I like it.
0: Yeah. I, I as a logo guy, I, I like it too. Um as I said, it was to me it's just having to get used to not seeing the seeing the Roman numerals, but as I said, you, you go you know for the first what six years, uh, first seven years there were no Roman numerals. So it, it does show that you can have you can have a logo without having Roman numerals. So it's
2: it that you know, has been proven here. You can have a logo without having Roman numerals.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I like it. It's it's different. It's different. And, and obviously they've incorporated the new. Uh, it looks like the it looks like the shark bite lo- ball in the background uh they got the logo there obviously and uh so i think it looks fine i think it's fine so john I, you you're cool with it i'm a fan yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fan yeah, yeah i am i just hope they have some half decent merch at arena bowl with with the logo that's what i hope and and uh the patch should look nice too yeah pat should look definitely nice. and as promised and on the line with us now are two gentlemen who work for the afl network who I am sure that if they had a step counter attached to them every week, they'd probably get more than 5,000 steps per game. From the AFL <laughs> Network, we got Dan Nolan and Eric Ardidi. Welcome, guys, to the pod.
4: Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, thank you. This is going to be a good time.
0: So, obviously, the playoffs, we're now into the— uh, Ben's going to laugh at this. I call it the silly season, and where anything can happen. Stop.
2: It it, it I like
0: enough.
1: silly season. Stop, Sam, I'm going to interrupt you right there. I, so I listen to the podcast every week, and I, I'm with the other guys, man. What what are you talking? about?
0: What is the silly
1: stuff? It's the postseason. If anything, it's the serious
0: season. I know. You I know. don't. I don't understand where. You're going. Don't know where it come. I don't know. I don't know because it, it's like the, the the regular season's done, and almost I know anything can happen in the in the regular season, but as we've seen, especially last year in the postseason. It was just some silly stuff, so simulated. maybe that's what stuck okay. into my head, Perfect. and it's maybe I need to come up with a better term now that more than more than just Ben is now ridiculing me. So I guess I'll have to.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is great. I have to come up with something. But for all the
2: listeners at home, um, in an unusual twist of events: we are using video, uh, and and everyone is on on a video split screen right now. And it's an unbelievable experience watching Tim Capra at work. Oh, i on <laughs> mic. I've never seen it before. So, I, only, I know. You know.
3: And Ben, uh, Ben, I got a compliment. I love your backdrop there with the uh, Broncos neon light. Yeah. We got, uh, we got a 100 emoji. Yeah. We got 50
2: cash posters, jerseys. It's crazy back here. Whoops. <laughs> it's crazy back here.
0: I must say, where's your Dharma gear? Is that your shirt behind you? That's a jumpsuit right there. Yep. So I'm for the listeners. Oh, I know. Uh, nothing nothing like s- s- talking about something visual when we're on on uh, on 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 audio. Um it's I want to ask like- you guys how how did you guys get started uh and become a part of the new what is what we are calling, you know, you know, the AFL the AFL network. Um Dan, how how did you first you Dan, how did you get involved with the AFL network?
1: So I got involved with the Arena Football League right around when the revitalization happened, when Monumental Sports Entertainment got involved. Uh, I originally started working with the Valor and the Brigade uh, more for just kind of feature content, if anything. Uh, And then in year two of Monumental's involvement, uh, when the league started to kind of take shape for what it is now, uh, I started doing broadcasts, and that's actually how Eric and I met. Uh, Because I originally was just doing sideline reporting for the Valor and the Brigade, which were the teams that uh, at the time Monumental Sports was most invested in. Uh, And I would do sideline. And Eric, which I'll let him talk about in a bit, was doing a much cooler and much more fun show at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously this season, uh, Monumental Sports became the main broadcast partner of the league. Uh, And because of that, uh, both Eric and I have had a chance to really broaden our horizons here in terms of afl coverage uh you know going to different cities seeing different experiences meeting different people that have been inv- involved in the league um so it's been cool so each year that Monumental's has kind of been involved over the last three years it's been more and more um exposure to kind of what the afl is what it represents and it's been super fun
0: What about you eric
4: yeah so i you know c- like Dan had said, I kind of got into it right right around after the Brigade and the Valor came. When I saw that the Valor, because the Valor were announced first, uh, you know, I'm all over social media. I'm, I'm way too addicted to it. And so when I saw that D.C. was getting an arena team, I was like, I'm all in. Let's do this. Like, I love, you know, I love football and you need something to fill this, this time frame. So I was all over Twitter and Facebook and Instagram going, you know, Valor are my team. These are going to be my guys. The second Baltimore got a team, I said, I'm done with the Valor. <laughs> They're dead to me. You know, bring on Baltimore, baby. Um, so, we, you know, me and, a, me and a buddy who we both write for BarstoolSports.com, um, we, we kind of just – I was like, I'm going to gas these guys up. I'm going to – I've never heard of Reggie Gray, but I was like, guess what? Dude's my new favorite player. <laughs> tweeting all about him and just, just was getting very interactive with them. Their the, uh, their social media um, accounts and all that stuff. Their Instagram, their their Twitter. I would respond back to everything. You know, can't wait. When's opening day? Let's go. Let's get the tickets going, stuff like that. And me and my buddy were literally days away from buying season tickets. We were like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go to every game. We're gonna be the super fans. And we got an email. Um, I can't remember from who, but it was like, hey, you know, we've seen your involvement on social media. Would love to have you guys be this like a I think they called it a fan perspective reporter and again they, you know it, it was kind of it wasn't a sideline reporter you know like, like Dan was um they would come to us for two to three hits a game, just something real small um but to gauge the you know what the fans think and and you, I, like I remember I mean we were interviewing players as they're lining up for the kickoff and stuff like that shoving the microphone in their face like I remember getting like I had my microphone down in dwayne hollis's face mask right before it kick off. <laughs> like just stuff like that. Um, and you know, and then, and so that, that first year was really fun last year. Um, as Dan alluded to me and me and my buddy, they were, they gave us an opportunity to host our own Facebook live show from quote unquote, the bunker in Royal farms arena. It was a room that we had kind of set up like a man cave. There were like, you know, we had a table in front, we had chips, we had drinks, we had you know snacks everywhere there were like old lockers in the background and it made it look like we were in this kind of man cave bunker in royal farms arena and we would we would watch the games and comment on them like you would at sitting at a bar with someone going holy crap look at you see that catch so we're not we weren't doing the 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 standard third and nine you know what do you think's going to happen here it's it's we were just breaking it down like two guys sitting on bar stools at a bar watching a game. And they kind of wanted to allude to the common fan because, you know, I think they were – last year they were trying to do anything to get the new fans in. Again, it was a semi-new, you know, area for arena football. So we did that, um, I think, for four games, four or five games. And it was neat. It was a good time. Um, And, again, it just got us involved in in arena football. And then, you know, this year – had reached out again hey you know let me know i would love to help you guys out with anything and again got the email i think it was like it was only like two or three weeks before the season uh that was like hey you know we've got we've got baltimore and dc covered and albany and columbus would you want to be sideline reporter for the philly and atlantic city market it's like absolutely let's let's do it so ever since you know i don't even know when the season started beginning of may it's been every weekend in philly columbus or ac we went to columbus the one time which is awesome um but yeah like dan said i've met some awesome people you know hanging out with said bonner every week and like you guys mentioned dan um earlier we we every time we go i was said people doesn't matter where we are who it is come up and talk to them oh my god you know i gotta get a picture and stuff like that um you know, being in Philly, I'm, I'm fist bumping jaws before every game. <laughs> I had no idea he would even know my name, you know, 10 weeks ago. And now here we are. So, yeah, I mean, just a lot of cool stuff. Um, and again, I mean, it's a game that, you know, four years ago I didn't know much about. And now I'm like begging people, like, come to the game, watch the game. It's awesome. Like 30 seconds in and you'll love it. I promise. So it's I mean, like, like you guys, you guys are all aware obviously bigger fans, but it's just, I, I'm so interested in it now. And I'm so happy that, that, you know, I've become involved the way I have and just that, that the sport is become what it is. Cause I, I love it. I can't get enough of it.
1: Dude, and the- Eric hits it right on the head. I, so for Capital One Arena in DC, that's where I work most of the time and our offices are in there. We'll do games in there. So for monumental, obviously we do more than just the arena football league. We work with the wizards and the capitals with the Washington Mystics, with some eSports properties. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I have started to tell people over the last two years that the best fan experience that you can get in the arena in terms of bang for your buck is to pay 50 bucks and go to the Bud Light Party Zone, get unlimited food and drink, mm-hmm. and go right on the wall and watch an AFL game. Like It truly is. It's one of those experiences that you just cannot get in other leagues. Like in other, other professional sports leagues, you cannot get that close.
4: We used to, I used to tell my friends, like – Friday, Saturday nights, like, yo, come out to a brigade game, pay $50, all you can eat, all you can drink. That's your pregame. I'm like, the game will be over by 10. <laughs> go home, shower, and then you're ready for the night. I'm like, just think of how – like, how many beers can you house in three and a half hours? I'm like, you guys <laughs> will pay so much more at a bar if you're pregaming, you know, to go out. And I was being dead serious. Yeah. I was like, it, just do it. Like, I I mean, I went to the first the first Valor game three three years ago. I went, I went as a fan, and I just – Bought tickets to the to the Bud Light Zone. It was awesome. To the Party Zone. It was so much fun. And yeah, like it's, like like you said, Dan. Like that's that's the best experience. The guys taking pictures and and you know, um, signing autographs during the games, chatting it up with the fans. It's it's like a, it's like minor league baseball on steroids almost. Where like you think you're close in minor league baseball when you talk to the guys and all that, but AFL blows it out of the water. It's it's just the fan experience is awesome.
0: What's what, when I say arena football family, and I've said that a few times this year already, when I say arena football family, what, how can you, for anybody who doesn't get what it is to be a part of the arena football family, how would you be able to describe it, uh, Dan? All right. Well, the easiest
1: thing to start with is it's played inside, which I know half the teams in the NFL do, but it's inside and it's a smaller field. There's walls versus you just running out of bounds. Uh, and then I would just start describing it by just the small things that the AFL has that no matter what. I mean, there's a lot of football leagues that have come around over the last 25 years. Uh, if like you can go to the XFL, which is about to come back next year, the USFL, the NFL, uh, the IFL, there, there's a number of different leagues. Uh, but for the Arena Football League, uh, the amount of scoring is insane because of the length of the field. I always bring up the field goal posts despite the fact that no field goals really happen in the AFL. I just think it's one of those things where it's not just obviously about the field goals like you could play it live off the net, like you know, the the pure like craziness that happens with that net. Like for example, the the Valor Brigade game that happens in Baltimore a few weeks ago. Oh, Justin really? Lawrence catches an interception that bounces that off amazing. the net mm-hmm. like
0: 15 yards back towards the field. Like that just doesn't happen. In other football leagues. Or or two um, balls getting stuck in the uprights in Atlantic City this year. Okay, so...
4: That was unbelievable.
1: <laughs> I did research on this because, like, if, like, obviously for sideline, we have to do hits all the time, right? Like, we have to come up with, like, three or four fresh ideas in addition to doing the interviews and getting the game updates and all that stuff. I and mean, that's just, like, sideline reporting 101. And I think the biggest shock for me was that this is a super common, like, occurrence. Like, I had no idea that it was so common for people to have a ball get stuck in the upright. Like I just always envisioned this being one of those things that like, Oh, it just randomly happened. And what, what a shock, but like the dimensions are like way too big. Like I, I, I remember talking to uh, the commissioner uh, to Randall Bo about this. I was like, did, did you know like the dimensions of the football post? like, yeah. I mean, like I, I kind of figured, I just never thought about it with the ball, but like the, the ball pretty seamlessly fits in there. And I guess like former players say it happens like four or five times a year. Um, we're, we're it's
0: possible. Back. And I think one thing you guys wouldn't know, because, um, you know, you've been only with the league just a short period of time. But uh, in the old days, some there were actually two types of rebound nets, two types of apparatuses, one that is the, the radio tower ones that you guys are seeing mostly all the time now and ones that were actually closed up. Like in San Jose, when San Jose had the team, they, it wouldn't happen in San Jose because they were solid.
4: So, oh,
0: so they okay. I, and I like what the league has done because obviously they're now adding advertising. They've, they've modified the the apparatus slightly and you're able to, you know, I love the balls getting stuck in the net. That's so cool. That, that really is. That really and is. And
4: I, I don't know if this plays a difference, but I know for the first game in Atlantic City, Coach James told us that they got shipped there, the uprights the week before. Um, they were like, I think they, Oh, they were painted white. They were silver. They were, they white. were silver. Yes. Yeah. They were Cause I think he said they're aluminum and the, I think the other ones are, are steel or something. They're aluminum. And the other, all the other arenas have, I don't know if it's steel or if it, it's some type of metal though. So he said, you know, number one, the silver Mark Lewis was like, I can't, it's, it's, <laughs> <what you're trying laughs> me off. and, and, and then they were <laughs> saying that it's lighter so the ball is going to bounce off it di- like the ball is going to bounce off it different than it would right. a, a thicker substance and so you know i was thinking i was like maybe that had something to do with it because i only saw it happen in in atlantic city both going the same way but i don't know if that had something to do with it like the aluminum pipes versus any of the other ones but i don't know cuz i was think i was i was trying to make you know figure that out i couldn't but that that's the only thing you know that i was thinking of but uh, coach james also said that they got shipped without instructions
2: Here, so here's, here's for, the for unboxing for, review yeah he posts, was like it's yeah, not
4: like uh it's not remove like posts back. from box <laughs> step like, 1 you can't really just google like oh let me look up the youtube page on how to how to put together you know <laughs> arena football crossbars, so let's let's do that today so, so here
1: here's she's the,
3: putting together your field goal posts exactly <laughs> you have the instruction so go ahead
2: video and smash that subscribe button
3: <laughs> <laughs> well here's the here's a good reason for the balls getting stuck inside of the bars this year we had new balls this year they're and smaller. they're smaller yep. yep yep that that's pretty much primarily why they're slippery too yeah they're very slippery yeah that's, that's what i've heard
1: um I think unofficially i think it was like a because uh, i'm again i was like trying to go on in like sports science without any of the scientific background which just doesn't make any sense but like the the ball had i think a circumference of six and a half inches and it's 12 inches uh, i want to say long uh and then i think the field goal post triangle is like 18 inches on the base and nine inches tall and so like when you just place, this is a lot of math talk, to be
3: honest. Yeah, Sure, yeah.
1: I, I am Total literally numbers. like visually showing it on the camera again, as if anybody on the podcast is going to see
4: this
0: <laughs> <laughs> point being footballs get stuck at field goal posts in the air. Yeah. Yeah, they,
4: they do. do. Very good point.
0: Um, Eric, to you, when somebody says to you arena football family, what, what, how can you explain that to somebody, whether it be the game or whether it be the fans, how can you explain when you're, when you say, when people say, or you say that you're a part of the arena football family?
4: I think it's, it's a, Like Dan said, the game is very different and the fans know it and they love it. Like, again, they love to point out the nets and, the you know, look at the uprights hanging. Like, that's the first thing um, that, you know, people talk about. But but the arena football, like family, like when I when if you say that to me, I think of the fans when I was in Atlantic City, I would look up and see some guy pointing at me going, you know, you remember me from last week up in Philly. Guys will just, they just come down to the games They just, and it's like, yeah, they root for the soul, but they're like, hey, soul are off today. I'll, I'll go down <laughs> and watch, I'll go down to the Atlantic City game. And even, I, you know, I, again, I think it was the first or second game in Atlantic City. I look up in the stands in the third quarter and half the soul team is there. James Romain is sitting there, Lonnie Outlaw, Dwayne Hollis, they're all sitting there because they had the, game, they had the day off. And it, again, it's like they're an arena football family. They're just hardcore arena football fans. I mean, look at Columbus. It didn't you know, their, were their fans mad that they were what 1 in 10. Yeah, but they still showed up every game. We I mean, we we did the game in Columbus when Philly went there a few weeks ago and Columbus was leading well into the fourth quarter and that was probably the loudest arena I had been in all year. It was I mean, again, they were 1 in 7, 1 in 8 at the time. And it was they were going nuts and that no one left no one booed, you know, when they lost. No one was booing the players, um, you know. And again, I think it's just—I think it's a, a dedicated fan base of people who really enjoy rooting for their team, regardless of the record. Players, because again, arena—I mean, arena football is almost like college in a players' aspect, where you don't know who's going to be on your team next year. You could have an entirely new face of, of your team. And, and, you know, you, and the, but the people it's, they, you know, unless you're Philly and you have Dan every year, but I mean, you know, you may not have the same quarterback every year. You may have to buy a new Jersey every year and to the fans, it doesn't seem like they care. They They want to root. They want to watch good football and, and, you know, they want to show up and cheer. So uh, when I think of arena football family, that's, that's what I think about is just people who, it doesn't matter the last name on the Jersey, they are going to cheer their, their hearts out for whatever players are wearing that jersey like so. like like dog
0: for Dogman to come back after yeah. so the team didn't exist for ten, for basically 10 years or whatever it was mm-hmm. and to, to still be there in his old jersey and i'm sure some of the fans when albany came back you know last year and whatnot so um, I, I gotta turn this i gotta turn this over to the guys guys i know you have some questions for them uh ben we'll start with you any questions
2: well i'm a little bit curious i, I think you guys saw part of the previous era of the afl um, you saw a slice of it. I mean, the first season that you were both involved, Dan, were you involved three years ago, like in the Scott Butera?
1: I wasn't as involved. Not I mean, as involved. Like yeah. Involved enough to where I knew what was going on. But I'm not curious to think, like, what the last difference both
2: of you think. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, organizationally, like wh- whether you feel there's been a huge culture shift in the organization now that Monumental is basically piloting the entire ship, which wasn't the case three years ago. You know, as a, as a, you know, a fan and someone in media, from my perspective, it's been, you know, it's been writing the ship, essentially. Um, but it's also feels more all hands on deck than ever. And you guys are great examples of that. Or, like, your featured players, you know, they got really serious about the broadcasting. And I'm just curious from your perspective how, you know, especially this season, uh, how everything's changed.
1: Uh, so... I can take it from the monumental perspective. Uh, I don't want to speak for anyone in particular, but I know that, you know, Ted Leons is obviously a, a huge player for the AFL. He had a strong belief that this league could grow uh, to be even bigger than when it was, when they started, when he got involved with four teams. Uh, obviously it's at six now and you guys have had the commissioner on and we've all spoken to different people around the league. It's going to continue to expand. Um, and from what I understand, they want to do it rather slowly. The, the important thing with the kind of the, not the rebranding although they did you know have the sweet new logo and everything but uh kind of the culture shift was let's really focus on the organization building let's try to take this one step at a time uh we don't need to rush the growth as long as we make sure we do it the right way um so for the very small experience obviously i mean john Ben, and like you guys have been around the league for a long time you understand this uh and you know eric and i are, are relatively new in the grand scheme of things here, but even in the few years that we've been involved, I mean, it it has changed. I I think you can really see people get more and more serious about this. Uh, And I think you need that kind of attention and that kind of passion in order to make something happen in general. Even if it wasn't arena football, it can be any type of business. If you don't have the right people in charge with kind of a vision, with leadership, with the passion, you're not going to get it done. And so from purely from the structure Uh, you can see that it's improving. And again, I cannot speak for when the league was in its heyday. Uh, You know, you look at the 90s, you see some of the the players that were there and the scores that were up there. Um, I will say that talking to people that understand the league far better than I do, um, the, the shift that I think a lot of people were curious about was the final minute. When they changed the rules to go to the final 30 seconds rather than the final minute, with the reasoning being speeding the game up a little bit, I think the first few weeks of this season, uh, and I think all of you would agree, it it was an adjustment. I I don't know if everyone was fully prepared for uh, what that was going to do. But, you know, in terms of scoring, we all understand that scoring is a little bit down this year on average. But if you look since about probably week six or week seven, uh, you're starting to notice teams are scoring pretty much as close to how they were scoring before the rule change. And the games are moving a little bit quicker, so I, that was that was a change. I think that a lot of people didn't know how it was going to go, um, and I think it's it's worked so far. Is my opinion.
4: But and and like you said, six week six or seven, it seems like they got their footing, and pretty much everyone now is is you know, hey, we know we know what's going on, and we know the rules now, and again, the teams like like Dan said, the scoring's been, I mean, after I talked to Dan Radabaugh after what was it the last Philly Atlantic City game where they scored with I think thirteen seconds left, and I asked him. You know, give me your thoughts on that final fourth quarter. And he said it kind of felt like an old arena football game. It's that back and forth, you know, like 45 points scored in the last 15 minutes. Um, you know, yeah. so so again, I, th- again I, I think Dan's right. The league is kind of getting back to that. And l- like he said, I can't really talk about, you know, what what happened before. Again, when, when the players were when it was on ESPN, too, I still watch all those games on YouTube every now and then. I watched like the 2015 Arena Bowl the other night with uh, the San Jose and Jacksonville. Um, so I can't really comment on that. I wish I could because it seemed like it was awesome football. Um, but you know, again, from the I guess the broadcast side, I didn't know how serious this was going to be. I thought it was kind of like ah, it's arena football. <laughs> Go, yeah, do whatever. You know, I mean, we have full production trucks with with an in, an insane crew that are, that are working. I mean, if our game's at seven o'clock, I think they're there at like eleven a.m. Like, and they, you know, and they're they've worked all weekend. I just, I, I was not, I didn't know. And again, I can't, I don't know what they used to do, but I was not aware of of just how serious that they were taking it. And again, and I think they're not that they didn't take it seriously two or three years ago when when again when Monumental just had you know Baltimore and D.C. But now, I mean, it's again, I you know, the lady I worked with last year was like, oh yeah, you know, I was. Executive producer on Naked and Afraid, and I've done this documentary for National Geographic and this one, and I'm just like, oh, you know, holy crap! Like this is this is big time stuff. These are big people, like they, you know. So again, it the seriousness that that's like that goes into it, you know. Again, I kind of thought like, oh, it's arena football. Do whatever. If you screw up, you screw up. But like, it's I mean, it's people take it very seriously, and and I think it's a good thing. And again, I, I you know, I think it's one of the good changes again with Monumental taking over. Like like Dan said, Ted. Ted has a vision and and I think he knows what he wants to do and and I think I think they're doing it again with the with the um expansion. And again, like Dan said, they're gonna do it slowly. There's no reason to add, oh, let's go add 10 teams next year and just water down the entire market. Everything I've heard is two, maybe four. You know, if if four cities blow them away, yeah, we'll do four, and then maybe two more the next year, and then maybe four after that. So it, it again, it seems like Seems like the league is headed in the right direction, and and I'm excited to to see where that goes.
1: And also, we, we should credit. I mean, obviously, uh, the Monumental Sports Group deserves a ton of credit. You know, the commissioner of the league comes from Monumental Sports. Ted Leonsis was a big voice for it. But I mean, Eric mentioned a guy like Jaws. I mean, Jaws has been one of the biggest oh yeah the league for a long time. There's different ownership groups in various cities. They've all bought into this vision, so it, it's it's not just a couple of people. Uh, you know, from the D.C. Maryland Virginia area, we call it the DMV area. I don't know how familiar you guys are with that. Eric gets it. I don't know about. The, yeah, I went to school
2: at Maryland. I, I so. get it. I get it. <laughs> all right, all right. John gets. It. John
1: gets it. Yeah. But um, but yeah. It, it's it, it. Listen, there's a lot of people working towards it, and I, I think that everyone would agree on this podcast that it's it's in the right direction
0: for sure. For okay. sure. Yeah.
3: Yeah. For sure. John? So let me ask. Yeah, let me ask you guys. Uh, it's a little more lighthearted. Tell me one of your most favorite and memorable moments while on field, maybe diving out of the way of a play, snagging an interview with a player or a coach, or just something random happening that you weren't expecting. You want to go first, Eric?
4: Yeah. So so on the field, uh, I it was either – I want to say it was Atlantic City's first – it may have been their first home game this year against Columbus. Um, I, I was on the field uh, – who is it? Columbus has the ball on like the 10. So I'm, I'm maybe I'm no, no, no. They probably had the ball like midfield. So I'm on like the 10 or 20 yard line, just kind of scoping it out. I'm standing behind, um, coach Gilliam, Sergio, the, the, uh, black Jack's defensive coordinator and Graham Russell, you know, takes a snap, steps back. And I see Linden trail six foot seven, two hundred and ninety pounds jump up both arms before Russell even throws the ball. And my first thought is like, Holy crap! He's gonna pick this off. So he throws it right in, and Trail just bare just just hugs this ball. Thought he was gonna pop it. Comes down with it, and again, I'm on like the ten. So I'm like, he's running at me full speed, and and again, six foot seven, two hundred eighty five, two hundred ninety pounds, and I I had to just turn around, grab the wall, and jump over it because he was headed like right towards me. And I got, I texted my wife, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I almost got <laughs> steamrolled." I like texted my parents. I was like, "Are were you watching that? Like, rewind it, and you know." And I got home that day or that night, uh, and I was like, I ran right to my computer and like pulled up the replay, and like I'm <laughs> like, "Yep, oh, there I am." Almost got taken out. He was like five yards away from me when I jumped over the the wall. So uh, that okay. happened a few times this year where I kind of had to get out of the way. Um, but I, I, you know, I I. I being in front, it was just like a refrigerator coming downhill at you. It's like you don't know what to do. So I just got the heck out of the way. So that, that was probably, again, I was like the first, like the second game I did, first Atlantic City game. So I was like, what the heck is going on? This is, <laughs> this is madness. So that that's probably the most memorable thing this year that happened to me on the field.
1: What about you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, work, working on the field is just like a known danger uh, like, they, they don't care if you're doing a report on the field at the same time as play. Like, they'll go. Now, clearly, like, they'll try to give you a few extra she- seconds. Like, literally the last game I did uh, was when Washington was hosting Columbus, a game that was, I think, far closer than a lot of people expected. Um, I had just finished interviewing Matt Sock, who, you know what? <laughs> all right, quick, quick side note. Matt Sock, incredibly nice guy. He's like the man. Uh, you talk to him before the games, like, he'll give you – any kind of answers you're you're looking for. Like he'll tell you all about the team, the culture, and obviously uh, taking on this in his first year uh, with Columbus. But man, I have only interviewed him twice in <laughs> the game. The first time was in Columbus, and Columbus had just given up a touchdown to Baltimore. Baltimore tied the game as a it was a bad play for Columbus's defense. And like you can you know how you can see on someone's face sometimes and you're like, oh, Man, I like we should stay away. But in this case, like I have to talk to him because it's the home coach. It's tied. going to go over there. So I go over to coach and like I don't even remember the question I asked. It was something along the lines of whatever the first half was, blah, blah, blah. And he basically ate the microphone just screaming, just this is terrible. This is not what we're about, blah, blah, blah. And so he, he does this for, like, 20 seconds, which feels, of course, like 20 minutes. I pull the mic away. I'm like, Coach, thank you for your time. <laughs> <laughs> um, then this game that happened in Washington, complete opposite. Like, Mad Sock is, like, is coaching a great game against Washington. No expectations going into it. He's got a quarterback that's 40 years old, hasn't played in a few years, leading potentially an upset on the road. And so I'm like, oh, like he's going to be in a great mood. This is awesome. So I go up to him, like, man, like the first half, all the storylines, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, so why'd you decide to play a rally today? Because I mean, it's a guy that hasn't played in a long time. And he goes, yeah, because we wanted to win. That was it. That was the <laughs> whole thing. And I was like, thank you for your time. So it's a common <laughs> thread. Um, so kickoffs are, I think, the most dangerous time that I can think of in the league. Cause usually you can kind of get a feel for the play. Like, you know, in Eric's example, obviously if there's a defensive play, they're coming back at you. You got a clear space. Um, the two experiences I have were on kickoffs, the first time I did a game in Baltimore, um, there's like a Geico sign that's to the right of the road bench. Uh, so I like, that's where we were doing hits, not this year, but last year. And the, the ball was kicked off while I was doing my hit. And so on the air, I'm like facing the camera, facing up, and, like, play is about to just come right at me. And I, like, just, like, jump up on the wall. And for a split second, I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, I am about to just fall face first onto this field right in the middle of play. Oh, and I somehow caught myself. There's only one lady that was sitting behind <laughs> me. I looked at this lady, and she and I shared a very intimate relationship <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to your own life there um there was that and then the last week in columbus i have inter- finished interviewing matt sock and uh the kickoffs about to happen and like eric said like we've been in these situations before you can kind of recognize what's going to happen and so i was like oh my god i get off the field now someone who was smart would just go to the columbus bench because it's right next to where i was doing the interview coach no i in my head was like i gotta get to the Ballard bench so <laughs> i sprint. All the way down the field right as kickoff's about to start. And Grant Paulson, I can just hear him in my ear as I'm running. Is like, I didn't know Dan was that fast. Like, he is 40 yard dash. <laughs> yep. But uh and then Benjamin McDowell gave me crap because he's like, if you're gonna run all the way over here, you better jump over the wall. Don't like don't slow down when you get here. And I'm, like, I'm sorry, coach.
4: But
3: <laughs> hey, I um, get that I get that too in Atlantic City, like I'll run by the benches like with the chain gang and they'll be like, damn, I didn't know you were that fast. <laughs>
4: Hey, go, going off, you know, what we were just talking about, being on the field. I know, John, you, you saw it. Uh, and if you watched the Atlantic City um, game this last weekend, you saw it too. The cheerleader get hit. Dan, did you hear about that? Yes. Yes. That, yeah. that was – so, again, I'm on the field behind Shane Boyd in the Baltimore offense going that way. Because um, they were – I mean, they were pretty – they were close. I mean, they were far away from, you know, from the other end zone. So, I'm sitting down there and I'm kneeling and I'm I'm literally behind – the court. I'm behind Shane, and I'm looking almost right at the door. And I see Shane drop back, and I see him just throw it up. So naturally, you know, I look at the ball, and then in my eyes, you know, I go down, I'm looking at the receiver, and I'm like, oh, it's Milton Williams. And I see in the background, like, just a bunch of, you know, flurrying. And I'm like, is that the door open? And then it just, I mean, when he, this, the noise it made in the arena, when he hit the wall, because he hit the door when it was still open. So he hit, like, straight up wood. Like, not even the padding. Ripped it right off. You know, just, I mean, he, I thought we were talking about after the game. Shane Stafford said he thought he was worried that the cheerleader had fallen face first because you guys know it's just concrete back there.
1: Yeah. He said, I thought she was going
4: to crack her head open just with the, with the. There's some padding.
1: There's some padding right behind the wall. But like, I think
4: she, I think she was already like past that. Like, it was, it was very close to being a bad situation.
3: Yeah. I mean, I was at the opposite end of the field and I heard, I heard the thud and the door just fly open.
4: Yeah, it was. There was a kid who was standing behind the door who got his leg scratched up. Um, it was. It was bad. And then John, I don't know if you know this. I tried to interview the cheerleader. I went over there. Oh, <laughs> and and the cheerleader, like, I go over to the group and I'm like, "Is she okay?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, they took her back. You know, they're gonna check on her." And I'm like, "All right," so I tell my producer, "I'm like, hey, she's getting bandaged up, but like, if she comes out here, I'm gonna grab, I'm gonna grab an interview." And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, do it, do it." And so she comes out, and she has, like, a bandage on her arm, and she's, like, waving, and and everyone's clapping. And I was like, hey, you know, I was like, what's your name? And she's like, Joya. I was like, you you okay? She's like, yeah. And I was like, are you you okay to, like, talk? Like, do you want to do 20 seconds on air? I was like, I'm just going to ask you if you ever thought you'd be part of the game. And she's kind of just like, uh, yeah, sure, okay. And meanwhile, George Manias is ripping into the cheerleading, like the coordinator or the, the, Oof. and cause he's like, what are they doing out there? That door should have been shut a minute ago. Like why, why were they even out there? The offense is coming that way. And I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm, so I'm standing with this girl like on my arm, like, all right, just keep smiling. Camera's going to come on in a second. Ugh. And George looks at me and he's like, no, dude, no, absolutely not. Like cheerleaders, they, the dancers do not speak. They have a spokesperson if if you want to talk to them. Jeez. And so I was like, okay, like I, I, I understand that. I fully get that. And I was like, sorry, like, and the, the spokeswoman came over and I was, she was like, do you, do you need me? And I was like, nah, yeah, <laughs> <know> <laughs> like, magic. I, I kind of just wanted her reaction. <laughs> but I mean, I went back and I watched it a few times. That was, that was very scary. That, so that was another like on field moment where I'm like, didn't involve me, but I'm just like, gee, like
3: I mean, that was some was real, tough, though,
4: right? Like she came back. Oh yeah. She was fine. She said like I scraped my elbow and she did. She had a scratchy and she had some bandages but she didn't miss, like, a performance. She went right back out there. Like, it was like, oh, damn, man. good for her. Like I, I th- And then I told, like, the little kid. The little kid had, like, tears in his eyes and, you know, could tell. It was, like, trying to hold it in. And I was like, I was, like oh, buddy. I was like, I've seen football players take hits like that and have to, like, walk off the field. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the guy who did the, like, the game where, like, the next time out, like, put on the, the pants and then the jersey and then the helmet and run down the field. That was him. <laughs> so I was like... Oh man, this kid has a scraped up leg, and they're gonna make him like yeah. up there while he's crying.
3: He but, hasn't developed a perception of pain yet. <laughs> no, no,
4: but he he ended up being okay. But yeah, again, yeah, that was just another, just because it's so fresh and like I could still hear the crack of the wood, like it, in my mind. That was that was why. wants you every night. Kids,
1: it's like when babies, <laughs> like your babies, fall down. And then you look at him, you're not supposed to be like, oh my gosh, are you okay? You're supposed to be like, yeah! Like, how right, is that possible? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, like, oh yeah, this is, I'm the coolest person in the
0: room. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. What is it about arena football that always seems it, it always seems to be, and Ben, I know you and I have seen a ton of stuff happen over the years, about players or, or fans getting involved uh, with brutal injuries, just like you guys have <laughs> talked about. I mean... Was it Arena Bowl? Uh, we had a couple one, couple Arena Bowls ago where a, a player went uh, uh, helmet to head with a fan. Yeah, uh, I was in Spokane. Uh, I think it was in Spokane. Yeah, uh, and it's just it's funny. It, well, it can, it's proximity. It, it can you just know. be very dangerous. By the way, Dan, your you, the one you're talking about. You running like a maniac. They showed it on the broadcast because they <laughs> showed you going back around everybody. <laughs> and This huge smirk is on your face for whatever reason, so...
1: <laughs> so, well, the thing is, like, during these broadcasts, and Eric knows this too, but, like, you know, we have our IFBs in, so we hear the whole thing, that, that we hear everything that's going on, but we very rarely see anything. Because, you know, we're next to the benches, and we're kind of running all over the place. And so, like, you know, I'm I'm sprinting for my life across the field, and, you know, I just hear Grant be like, oh, like, there he goes! There he <laughs> <laughs> um, But yes, I definitely was smirking and
0: grinning like an idiot. that, that definitely... <laughs> so we got the playoffs coming up i mean the guys and i were saying how we can't believe how the regular season is already over um but it is a same exact um you know same exact playoff format as it was last year with a two-game aggregate uh first i want to ask you guys uh, what's your thought on this two-game aggregate i mean i i know if you know danny you've heard the podcast before you know i've talked about where they did it in the cfl that's the last time as far as know, when they did it in pro football What's your thought on this two-game aggregate? And last year, uh, Ben and John and I thought it was going to be a one-week, a one-year thing. Obviously, it's a two-year thing at least for now. But what, what's your thought on a two-game aggregate in in pro sports, especially in the playoffs, Eric?
4: Um, in in pro sport, I mean, I like it. I think it makes I think it makes every possession count. So now, I mean, you know, you watch an NFL game. If if you're down, or I mean, you know, if you're up at halftime or going into halftime, you got maybe 30 seconds left. You got the ball 70 yards away in the NFL. You probably kneel it. You know, all right, let's go to locker room. Here, I mean, these coaches, you got to fight for every every point. It could matter. I mean, we saw that how it happened last year. Every single point matters. So, like, and I'm even wondering, you know, are teams going to go for two this weekend? Are they going to try and you know, again, get every little drop that they can out? Are they going to you know, if they're farther away, they're going to try a field goal, just just anything to try and get right. points on the board. So I mean, I love it because again, as a, like you guys mentioned, as a, as an arena football fan, I mean the points, give them, give them to me, give everything. I want <laughs> I want the over on every single game. <laughs> just that that's that's what we want. I want to see as many touchdowns and points as possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, give me seventy five to sixty in games. I, I and again, I think it makes it much more interesting. I know working with Sed Bonner this year. Every time at the end of a game, where they say, you know, when Lou Tilly says, "Oh, here comes the kneel down," I think said is said every time. A part of me is dying right now, because yep. <laughs> you know, th- th- he said this is an arena football, and it's not. You know, it's it's. I want the high action, the the high scoring, the g- give me as many points as possible, and that's that's what you get with these aggregate playoffs. And and I think it, I think it's neat, and and again, it makes every possession count. It makes you know, I mean, every every fumble, every turnover. I mean, you know, in the regular season games, like turnovers are huge. If you get a turnover, you, there's a good chance you're going to win. But now in these games, I mean, it's 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 just massive if you get these turnovers and stops. So I, I'm very anxious to see them up close and personal because I didn't get to do the playoffs last year. But it's it's going to be I think it's, I think it's going to be awesome, and I, I can't wait. I, I think it's great for the sport too. I don't really know if you could do it in other sports like baseball or you know. Well, Something else like that. I got seven That's games as is for weird. hockey, yeah. basketball,
0: and whatnot. They're already yeah. technically it is an aggregate series itself. But yeah, for football, it's just weird, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I mean, it's
4: <laughs> it, it is, and and we were even on our conference call today. We were even trying to figure out, you know, I guess, and I think Dan, you guys will have to learn this too. I think um, how to how to display it on the scoreboard for game two. Right. You know, are we going to start total points game two mm-hmm. with? Okay, you know, here's the first quarter kickoff, and it's 65 to 54. You know, or are we gonna? So we yeah. The,
2: the Seoul like scoreboard last year, like their in-stadium board, had the score of the game, and underneath that, their aggregate score, which I thought was the best way to do it. Albany yeah.
0: also, Albany also, yes. yeah,
4: yeah. And see, that makes sense. And I'm guessing if they do it last year, they'll probably do it this year. But you know, we were looking at. You know, on the the the, bu- the score bug on the screen and stuff like that. How to how do we present it? So yeah, it, it's weird. It's different, but it's you know what? It's so arena football. It hurts
2: because
4: <laughs> it, it's because again, it's like oh, the NFL. You know, Roger Goodell would never do that. You could never do that. <laughs> AFL, Yeah, sure. let's yeah. do it. It'll be fun. And again, I think I think it, I think it makes it fun. So. And and if it does, then then the league is about it. So I'm excited for
0: it. CBS Sports Network did something similar. I'm trying to remember, John Ben, you could if you can help me remember what they did. But CBS last year did the exact same thing with the, with the aggregate scores in the playoffs. So um, Dan, what, what's your thought on on an, on an aggregate playoff series? It
1: kind of reminds me of group play. Like, do you remember uh, group play in soccer? I should say more specifically. Like you know, just most recently, the Women's World Cup. You know, they scored 13 goals in a game. And a lot of people are kind of up in arms. Why would you keep scoring on this team uh, from Thailand? And after the game, the players were like, well, I mean, we're in group play. If this is one of those things where we end up losing by a couple goals in some of these games and don't qualify, which, you know, for the U.S. women's soccer team, obviously, they end up winning the (laughs) World Cup. They were just fine. But um, it's like a real concern. So when you take that ideology and you apply it to aggregate scoring, like it's a big deal. When I first heard about this being a thing, I'll admit it was a little jarring because the – thought that for example um albany could win this weekend against baltimore by two touchdowns Uh, and then baltimore could go back home beat albany but only beat him by seven and so the home fans are going to see him win and then they're going to tell him that they're not advanced and that's a little jarring but uh, to eric's point if it encourages scoring that's that's the big thing in the league right i mean if, if you want teams to put as much uh offense on the board as possible it's what fans want to see when they watch the afl i mean listen we can talk about all the different things for the afl it's all about the offense right at the end of the day they want to see people score yes it's like a family environment it encourages people to be a part of it it's a very open community um but when push comes to shove they want to go see people put up ridiculous numbers like you know the Arvell nelson stats of him having multiple touchdowns on the ground and through the air this season are ridiculous. Like, I mean, like the dude puts up seven touchdowns. You're like, Oh yeah. Another solid week for Arvel Nelson with seven touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. That's a normal line. Also, I got a de- I mean, decent. Far- yeah. Every single week. I got, I got you, man. I, 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 <laughs> I played him every week. Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I mean, I, I, that's what I think. I like, at the end of the day, I, mean, I Tim, I think you're right. Like when they get more and more teams, I'm not sure if this is a format that's going to stay. I, I'm, I wonder if it'll go more towards a traditional style. Um, but in the meantime, I, I think it's a creative way uh, to go about the playoff process. I really do. Okay.
0: Um, the the matchups themselves uh, of the two matchups, uh, and this is for everybody. Uh, which do you? Which is the most intriguing matchup? between the two, because obviously it's not the same as it was, as it was last year. Um, The only thing that is the same is Albany is the number one seed. Um, But uh, uh, John, uh, what, 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 which matchup is most intriguing to you?
3: I think Baltimore, Albany. Uh, I want to say, because uh, if I recall correctly, we see Baltimore win in Albany earlier in the season. Uh, So we, we know that they're one of the teams that can beat Albany. I I really I think that it's going to be interesting because are we going to see Shane Boyd or are we going to see Shane Morris? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a good question. Ben.
2: Well, I think I think that Philly Washington is is where it's at. I mean, I think given that question, John It takes a little bit of intrigue out of Albany Baltimore simply because I think Albany is such a heavy favorite. So if Shane Boyd is a question mark, which he has been because he's been, you know, so he's limped into the playoffs, as we were saying, he's sort of his performance has taken a downturn. If Shane Morris is in there, I don't see how Albany doesn't make it to the Arena Bowl. Uh, But when you have this aggregate scoring system and you've got Arvell Nelson. Facing Dan Rodabaugh, I mean, that's that's the fun matchup, I think. That's like the QB matchup you want. Veli is, you know, he can score so many different ways. And he does score so many times per game, which is exactly what they need to be doing here. Um, So I I think that that... Also, that is, to me, the most uncertainty about who actually has the upper hand. Like, I don't think Philly has taken uh, the foot off the gas pedal at all, really, this season. And they actually got hotter except for last week, but yeah. I don't think momentum-wise we can really even consider last week a factor. So I, this is going to be really interesting. I, I can't wait to see what happens, and I can't wait to see whether both matchups have the same level of intrigue as last year in terms of the aggregate scoring. Last year, I think everyone walked into the playoffs thinking, like, I don't know if this system makes any sense. I don't, I don't even understand it. You know, what happens with overtime? And then the game started and it was actually like extremely exciting and it was like completely awesome. And it was exactly what the AFL could have hoped for, which is that the second games of both series actually had, I mean, unfortunately this, you know, only one of them was super exciting, but it was perfect. So I can't wait to see how that plays out this year. And I think we'll know immediately in week one, you know, what we're looking at.
3: Well, for sure. But I'm also happy to see that the matchups are different than last year, even though they are the same teams. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I
4: agree. Eric, what about you? Um, I'm, I'm leaning with, with DC and Philly too. Cause like, like Ben was saying, I mean, the the quarterback power there is, is awesome. Part of me wanted to go Albany Baltimore because I'm very intrigued on, on watching Josh Victorian and Joe Powell, um, show sure. up against, against, you know, the, the Albany receivers. I mean, Malik is going to get his, but after watching the performance and John can vouch for this, just being in person and watching Joe Powell last week. She yeah, was unbelievable. I literally had to email the awards people and say, I have to change some stuff. I just said that before. I li- you like, did. I, That's I, true, I, 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 thinking, I, That's I submitted my, my my ballot on, I think, Saturday or Friday, and I emailed them Monday morning and said, hey, guys, I uh, just <laughs> got back from AC. I need to change some things. No disrespect to anyone else, and I'm not going to say what I changed, but it was an eye-opening experience watching him live. Yeah. Um, but, again, I think, I think the Arvel Nelson – Dan Radabaugh storyline. And, I mean, you know, I think Philly, Philly's defense is good. Um, their offense is good, too. And and I'm excited to watch them work. It seems kind of like Arvell's really the only guy to kind of watch out for on the Valor. Um, their wide receivers are good, but, like, McNeil hasn't stepped up like I thought he was, you know, when he came in hot. Um, and I, I think they're good players. I think Philly has some bigger names on both sides of the ball. Um, but I, I, think, I think the quarterback um, – the, the quarterback head to head is kind of what what puts it over the uh it puts it over the limit for me
1: Dan So first of all I think these both are very fun and I think they're for very different reasons Uh so with Albany and Baltimore On paper, it is literally the top offense against the top defense. And it's almost in every single category for those. It's not like it's just one thing. Like, oh, it's top team defense, top team offense. Like, if you go all the way down the stats, that's what it is. And to Eric's point, I mean, the matchup of the two best receivers in the game against arguably two of the best, I don't know if they're the two best corners in the game, is awesome. I mean, Joe Powell and Josh Victorian each had an interception in the only matchup these guys had earlier this year. And... Like, Brandon Collins and Joe Hills had six touchdowns in that game. Like, that that's the craziest thing. So, Malachi and Quinton they scored 54 receiving touchdowns this season, more than three other teams in the AFL had this year in terms of receiving touchdowns. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, they're both really good. The Grady Bunch is awesome. Like, I get that. <laughs> but um, but it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see Hills and Collins and what they can do in this game because – you know, with Joe Hills, a lot of his production has come in the first half. Like, in that game, he scored four yeah. touchdowns. They all came in the first half. So can he get going early? And with Collins, man, he might be the toughest receiver in the league, but he's been banged up a ton in the second half of the season. If the two of them can get going, it's going to be wild, man. I mean, they're, they're both really good. But I agree. I think that Washington and Philadelphia is going to be the better series to watch if for no other reason. Look at the games this season. They've both been insane. They both decided in the final thirty seconds. Also, Washington, whether this is frustrating or exciting, is I guess up to the people that you talk to. Like all their games are clubs. Five of their seven wins have come in the last minute of a game. Like that that's insane. Like so if you're talking about pure excitement from people watching games, like it has to be that serious. Plus, like The the thought of Arvel and James Romain going head-to-head is so interesting to me because Arvel, even though he's been insane with touchdowns this season, like he and Roddeball have the same amount of passing touchdowns. Arvel has a ton of rushing touchdowns as well, but he hasn't taken great care of the football this season, especially in the second half. And when you have James Romain, who is obviously one of the best ball hawks in the game, not just this year, but I mean, I think he's three pick-sixes this year. Two of them came in week one, but uh, <laughs> that's that's the one that I'm really intrigued with. If for no other reason than like, both these teams seem to just go right to the end of the ball game.
3: Hey, you talk- Tim, what about you?
0: Um, well, I was looking at them because you're talking about Collins. I think one of the one of the one of the d- different pieces of the puzzle for Baltimore could easily be uh, is uh, uh, future Hall of Famer Rod Windsor. That's a huge get. For the Baltimore mm-hmm. Brigade, and now he's only been there for one game. But um, I'm looking at two matchups, and I kind of agree them. I, mean, I wanted to lean lean towards the towards the Albany Baltimore matchup, um, but I honestly, I think I agree with most of you is that I think it's going to be the best matchup right there is the the Washington Philadelphia matchup because it's I agree it's power versus power, strength versus strength. It's it's just I think. We all know, I think, it's not going to be like last year. Philadelphia, I don't think, is going to go into Game 2 being down 12 points. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, no, I think, I think that'll be the matchup. Uh, interesting tidbit, by the way, guys, since we're talking about the games, as you know, we always go by with the, what Five Dimes always shows us when it comes to the lines. So far, as of today's taping, the Albany Empire is favored by 9.5 points.
1: Wow, huh? yeah. D- Dan's face. Yeah, I know, <laughs> dude. I mean, listen, yeah, that is a lot of. Po- I get it. Albany's ten and two. Fine. Who won the Arena Bowl last year, I and know. what was their record? I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I get it. But you know, what the other thing is, like, I, the, the interesting comparison. Like, Eric brought up the receiving core for the Valor. Like, it, it's like you look at two very different teams. Like, I, in my opinion, I think that. Malachi Jones is probably the best player in the game. But if you look at just, like, offensive players, you got him, and then you have Tommy Grady and Arville Nelson. Those are, like, I think the three that I would roll with in terms of, like, top offensive players. And they're different for a variety of reasons. But, like, you know, for the Valor, they've got five different guys with eight touchdowns this season. Like, yeah. they, they spread the ball around a ton. They live by the motto of the three musketeers, right? It's all for one, one for all. And then for Albany, it is all to those two guys, and, like, they are really good. Don't get me wrong. Malachi Jones, Gwynn Sims, probably the two best receivers in the AFL. But, I
2: mean, if Baltimore slows down one of them, what happens to that offense? Right. That happened in Philly, um, and Philly was able to pull that off. Mm -hmm. So I think that's sort of the mold that has to be followed here. Um, It was, like, double-teaming Sims, putting all the pressure on Malachi. Um, That just disrupted their entire Air attack. So I think that's, that's what's to look out for. Both matchups are really great, though. Right. We're lucky.
4: And the, another thing, real quick, is, is I wonder how the coaching is going to change because it's almost like after the first game, you basically go into halftime and you're right. going to be able to sit down and go, all right, here's how they're hurting us. You know, here's what we, how do we stop it now? But instead yeah. of halftime and you only having 10, 15 minutes, you got a whole week. So I'm, I'm going to be very interested on that. Say, you know, again, if, if DC is down, you know, do they completely change how Arvell was playing or, you know, does it's, I'm very intrigued by that to, to kind of see like, you know, how the coaches handle it. And I guess, you know, we'll have to wait till after the first game and see if you're down 30, then what do you change? If you're down one, you know, do you change anything? Yeah. So that, that, that's something that I want to keep my eye on to this, this uh, the next two weeks. And
0: by the way, Dan, I'm going to go with your, your reaction. I think nine and a half points is too high. It's ridiculous. Uh, by yeah. the way, just just uh, of note, also uh, Washington's favored by three. Okay, so see yeah, that's, that's, that's that's a, a reasonable
1: playoff yeah. line. The home yeah. team
0: favored by three is like a very no-
1: nine and a half is really nine and a half is
2: silly. a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now we'll t- they lost to Baltimore at home. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this last year, and uh, Eric, you're just talking about how the teams are going to adjust. And we said, and uh, the three of us said this last year. What's your thought on, you know, as we know, um, field goals are really not a thing in the AFL anymore, but I think in the playoffs, they will become very important because I think that, and I I was totally off last year, but I I think that if you, if you're down, if you have the ball, you're going to get the ball at the beginning of the second half and you're at fourth down and the clock's running down, do you go for the field goal or do you try to go for the touchdown on fourth down? Because that could be a huge swing. You're either up by three or you're up by seven or you're tied still going into the, into the next half or whatever it's going to be. Will field goals play a huge part in these playoffs? Uh,
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I, I I don't see any reason why, to be honest with you, like uh, Tim, I know you love Adrian Trevino, but uh, like Trevino has been consistent. He's kicked a lot of extra points. I, I, I don't see field goals becoming that much big, bigger of a thing in the postseason. I really don't. Like, I I don't think a lot of teams have the confidence necessary in their kickers to put them in that situation. To yeah, play. for that's sure. That's probably the biggest reason why. Um, but in a situation like to your point, it's interesting. Maybe not at the end of the first game, but the second game, uh, when maybe that strategy comes into play a little bit more. To Eric's point, uh, maybe that's when it comes into play. But I'm I'm not seeing it happen.
3: Yeah, and I'm not it. seeing it happen. After uh, a good example is this season finale in Atlantic City with the mm-hmm. Eric, Eric, yep, yep. Mark Lewis's uh, attempted field goal that uh, what that came back for a touchdown. I think. I,
4: it, yeah. So I was on the field again. It was like fourth and set. It was like fourth and seven, fourth and nine, and I'm just kind of like looking around, like, oh, right, they're gonna go for it, and then I look up and I see Mark Lewis uh, trotting on. I'm like, oh, it's Big gonna be a field, field. field goal. I said I better I better uh, get off, and naturally Joe Powell runs it right where I was standing. <laughs> yeah, and I hopped I hopped over and told the security guard. I said something may happen. Said, yeah, there you go. Um, I mean the
2: the philosophy in the AFL right now. The reason there is such a big reduction in field goals is because coaches have decided that statistically it makes more sense to go for it because ultimately you will earn more points by doing that. So that, so if that's the philosophy, it doesn't make sense to to change that now. Where if your entire philosophy has been we need to go for it on fourth because that gives us a higher chance of scoring more points, that's exactly what you should do now. Mm-hmm. Um, a touchdown is way more valuable in this, its format. Um, so yeah, I mean, much love to the kickers, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: yeah, I, I don't, I don't think like, like Dan said, I don't think we're going to see many. If I, I'm trying to remember, I think I saw two all year, and they were both Mark Lewis. Like one was a one was a fire drill at the end of a half. Yeah, that was amazing. On. <laughs> and then and then the second was this last week. And So I don't and I'm just I'm just thinking like the coaches you know being around these four coaches especially like none of their I mean they they're the you know I want to go for the throat. They're not yeah, gonna, yeah, they're yeah. not going to you know. They're
2: more aggressive style. Yeah,
4: aggressive yeah. is the word I was thinking of exactly. So, and again it's, yeah. I mean, it's the playoffs. It, can only imagine if if you know Benji loses by because because he didn't kick a field or you know because he kicked a field goal and missed or something like that. Right. Like it's an, it's it doesn't seem like it's something that's going to happen.
0: Well, he well coach coach Benji knows about that this year. <laughs> when it comes to something that he should have gone for and he didn't, and he ended up losing the game. So, <laughs> um, so the the matches themselves, um, uh, two game aggregates. I'm curious to know your thoughts on who do you think will advance to the arena bowl, uh, John and Ben and I have not talked about this yet. So this will be the first time that we have heard each other's, each other's choices. Um, but if, if you were to give a, uh, uh, to give a, your, your, your choice of who's going to advance, um, Dan, who do you think will advance to arena bowl 32? Oh, it's,
1: it's going to be a fire fire arena bowl because the Washington valor and the Baltimore brigade are going to play each other in that arena bowl again. And it is going to be so fun. (laughs) So,
2: I like (laughs) interesting prediction. I
1: I don't think that. Like, I think both series could be one to one in terms of wins and losses. I, for some, I don't know what it is, man. I have more faith in Baltimore in this postseason than I think I rationally should. that defense is good, man. Like it's good. I know that's it's a weird thing to say in the AFL, but like they have they have been really good this year. Only, they gave up ten points a few weeks ago. I mean, like they they genuinely can can slow down a team. And I don't know. And then Washington, Philly, I think it's it's really a coin toss. I, I genuinely, I, I'm I'm picking the Valor uh, just because I I think Garvel is that special. Although I gotta say, man, I I don't know about the five of us, but I think people are like forgetting how good Dan Rattabaugh is.
2: Like, yeah. Yeah. He sort of had a sleeper season. Play.
1: He is swinging it, um, but yeah, that's that's my prediction. I'm going, I'm going Washington Baltimore.
2: Okay,
0: wow, okay,
3: interesting, Eric. That was a great block kicked. <laughs> yeah,
2: you're getting occasional mic distortions that are like perfectly timed. <laughs> um, I,
4: I hate to be like I, I think I'm going to go Albany Philly. I, th- I think Albany is a train that can't be stopped. Um, again, you talked about their defense, Dan, and how, g- and how good Baltimore's defense is. Th- their offense just doesn't do it for me again. And, and that's, I mean, again, it is arena football, so it comes down to, you know, the points. And, and Shane Boyd hasn't looked great, like you guys were talking about. Um, and even with Morris, I mean, I, you know, throwing him into the fire, even though Albany's defense isn't, isn't great, I think they kind of can contain Shane Morris if needed for two games. Um, and I, and I think, I think Collins, is he not out? I think he may be out.
0: He's currently on
4: IR. Yeah. Is he? Oh, so. Okay. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And, and again, and then Joe Hill is like Dan talked about heavy first quarter guy or first half guy, but he, I don't know if he gets tired or he just, the the defense just figures him out. It's almost like he disappears. Yeah. Second half. Um, so the, the offense just doesn't do it for me again, watching that team this weekend. It's all new guys with Rod Windsor. Uh, he's not new, but he's new to the team. Yeah. Um. And you know, just some other guys who who just haven't been there. So I don't know if that that offense can turn it on, just you know, with the flip of a switch. Especially with just how I don't want to say vanilla the offense has been, but it just kind of I don't know. It's just it's 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 almost stagnant at times. Um, yeah. And then and then Philly and and DC, l- like Dan talked about. I mean, Arvell is he's a one he's a machine. He's like a Cam Newton in college, where it's like. Okay, pencil him in for probably six, maybe seven or eight touchdowns. And he's going to move the ball and he's going to, you know, assert his will. But he's going to make some mistakes. He'll, he'll throw the ball away like Dan talked about, that interception to just, you know to Justin Lawrence. He's going to do some stuff like that where kind of just gets lazy with it. Um, and, again, against a defense like, like you know, like Clint O'Zell has up there and James Romain and Hollis and Therese Jones, uh, you can't, you, you know, I mean, if you do one of those, Romaine's. you're looking at the back of his jersey and he's dancing on the on the on the logo so (laughs) um and again going back to their offense I just don't know if they're they're good like I think Epps is good um Dangerfield is is a monster too but just going up against that that Philly that ball hawking secondary I don't know um I and again Dan talked about it again the Dan Radabaugh watching them this year he's slowly gotten better you know, as, as the, the the season has gone along and the team has gotten better too. Obviously, your quarterback starts to go, your team starts to go. Um, I think guys like B.J. Bunn are going to play a big role. Um, that guy is just an animal with the ball in his hand. You know, Lonnie Outlaw hasn't really been used that much this year. Again, that's another six-foot-eight animal that you can just toss the ball up to. Um, so that that's that's why I think I give Philly the edge there. So that's why I'm going Albany and uh and – Philly. I don't really have to give my reasons for Albany's yeah. offense because yeah. we, we <laughs> beat that horse. Eric's
1: somebody. like, yeah. I agree with Dan. I agree with Dan. And then we, yeah, we just right,
0: picked the <laughs> teams. Uh, ben.
2: Yeah, I, I'm gonna go Albany, Philly. I think the the sometimes what motivates me um, is you know thinking ahead to what would be the more interesting arena ball matchup, which isn't really the way I analyze anything, but you know the, the um, I, I completely agree about Philly's defense being the defense, I mean, besides Baltimore, that is geared to potentially prevent Veli from taking off. And Clint Ozell, you know, he's been here before. Um, he's not new to the situation. And I think he and, – and last season, I don't think we can necessarily take what happened in the playoffs as like a really good example of of how this might work. Um, you know, Washington making the Arena Bowl, it, the whole season just felt like a little bit off. Um, but the Washington Albany narrative would be really interesting because you know, Washington's the the team that dethroned Albany last season and their hashtag unfinished business is regarding that. But even so, I, I think you can't deny Philly's defense. I think i'm I'm going you know Albany for the brigade matchup, and then I'm gonna go Philly uh, against Washington, just the defense is there. Philly's been there before and and they'll be there again. And I think that's still an interesting matchup. I think Philly Albany is like, they're not really local to each other, but you know, they share an ownership group and, and there's sort of always been a natural little rivalry there. So I'm, I'm a, you know, I think that's what I'm looking for.
3: John, I think, uh, Albany is going to get that unfinished business. They're looking for, uh, we're going to go with Albany and, uh, Washington in the arena bowl. And the reason I'm picking Washington against Philly is because this season, they've actually won both of their regular season games against Philadelphia, uh, at least by one score. And I think that's important. And spoiler alert, I picked Coach Benji for Coach of the Year for, uh, you know, turning the valor around in such a great fashion. I mean, obviously, along with the help of uh, Arvell and Doug McNeil and Dangerfield, et cetera. But um, I would really love to see the Washington and Albany Arena Bowl and see if Albany can back up their talk. Yeah. Uh,
0: I too, I'm actually, I am going uh, to, with Albany Philly also. Um, I I just look at what think, what people keep forgetting about Baltimore and Albany is yes, they only played one time this year and they were a Malachi Jones penalty away from tying that game rather than uh, rather than being a one point win for Baltimore. Um, But also just, just looking at the, just looking at the the point differential between these two teams this year I mean you know I yes Baltimore has, a, has an amazing defense um you know Albany give give up what about 40 points more but then again they also scored 120 points more than Baltimore did so it, it'll be an interesting match you know for, first time around okay we'll see what happens the, the this time around in the playoffs um but and I Dan Dan has to get himself back to the arena but I think I think he's such a weird year last year I'll make I'll make it there. Don't worry, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just w- weird. And but I, I think uh, the Red Rocket, I think will be back in in the in the arena bowl. And uh, I know you guys didn't say it, but I think there'll be one series that'll be a sweep, and one series will go one one based on points. Don't know what though. I don't know which one though. But it's, uh, hmm. that, that's that's what I'm thinking. Like, so.
1: What kind of prediction is that?
0: One series is going to be two to nothing, and one's
3: going to be one to one. Yeah. Uh, wait, just pick one, Tim. Pick one.
0: No, Facts. no. That that's that's
3: that's Tim <laughs> Capper. <laughs> well, it's got to be because um, Tim, you missed your prediction on the you No. Know, t- team will win more than nine yeah, games. I did. You already
2: yeah. blew a huge prediction. I did. Meanwhile, I predicted the Valor to win the Arena Bowl last year during the regular season. Yeah. So I think. I think we all know who's the prophet here but that's you know, what it <laughs> <said>. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah um guys if if uh if you uh sorry if if dan and eric if, if guys wanted to follow you on social media if they wanted to follow you, they wanted to tweet at you or whatever maybe how would they follow you guys on social media uh
1: mine is a super complex twitter handle it's at dan p nolan very very easy same thing for instagram Um, I'm going to spend less time promoting myself and more time promoting network stuff actually for the AFL network. Um, we were talking about this a little bit before I recorded guys, but we're working on a pregame show that's going to be released every Wednesday night before the playoff action happens for weeks one, two, and three for the AFL playoffs. It's hosted by Meredith Gorman and Wes Hall. You may recognize them from the booth and the sideline for broadcast this season. It's super, super fun. We do all kinds of games. We're also previewing the matchups uh lots of stat talk for those that like it um and then we also have uh we have a trivia segment this week that actually the mm-hmm. arena fan gang created which was awesome for the record Ben just
2: dabbed i <laughs> did just dab uh, so <laughs> good really for radio cool. so
1: uh make sure you check it out it's going to be available on afl network and also afl network social channels uh twitter instagram facebook etc
4: cool Cool. Eric, you. So on Twitter, I'm at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. You'll get a lot of obnoxious Orioles tweets if you've ever wanted (laughs) 35 tweets a night about uh, a team that's 36 games under 500. (laughs) You know where to go. Um, And then my my Instagram name is just my name, Eric Arditi, A-R-D-I-T-T-I. So you'll find... Lots of lots of fun pictures there, so that's going to so, so follow him.
2: Join the follow the man. Follow that's it'll right. Be, it'll
0: be fun. Want to thank the guys for coming on the show. Uh, it was interesting to hear their side of the story when it comes to uh, to people who work for the AFL Network. Uh, hear about their experiences and 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 what they think about what's going to be happening in the playoffs. Um, uh, we have to get these guys on on the pod again, don't we?
2: Yeah, the boys. Like, I felt like that was the ultimate. Like boys reunion, I felt like we're like, the bad boys of AFL podcasting, and they just like added a new flavor.
3: Yeah, so I'm gonna want it again. Like super super nerd here, um, I felt like we just went from like Super Saiyan on Dragon Ball Z to Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan on Dragon Ball Z. They Sorry. elevated the show to the next level. Sorry. yeah.
2: and we will be storming Area Fifty
0: One. Okay, yeah, okay. So so what are you saying? Ha 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 ha! Had to do
3: ha, it. Had ha, ha, to do I it. That you. was so
0: stupid. Uh, that, <laughs> that joke. Um, so we, as John teased during uh, during the interview uh, during the, the, the roundtable, uh, we have our arena ArenaFan uh, end of year awards. You'll be able to preview what all of the arena ArenaFan staffers that took part in the uh, uh, in by telling us who they thought. What they are choosing for their choices of the year uh, in the article that will be posted on arenafan.com in the next couple of days and obviously we're just curious to see how ours match up to what's actually going to come out because you know the you know Eric and Dan alluded to they got to have the the choice of of choosing the uh their post game awards uh for this year so i miss doing that i i, I you know please afl think about us Doing it next year, we, we'd love. Tim has been
2: blackballed. Yeah, been for blackballed. choosing Mark Lewis for MVP every year. <laughs> <laughs> You're not
0: supposed to dish Anyways, um, so I'm going to read these off, guys, and uh, just just give me one or two words on on your choices, and then we'll go from there. So I will start first. Get your quick reactions. Uh, for me, I chose as my coach of the year. I chose Rob Keefe. Kicker of the year, I chose Adrian Trevino. Wide receiver of the year, I choose Malachi Jones. Offensive player of the year, this is my toughest thing. It was in between Arvel and Malachi, but Arvel, just, just looking at his stats, this is what put him over the, over the edge for me. He, he is my offensive player of the year. James Romain was my defensive player of the year, rookie, Fabian Guerra, and my MVP goes to Tommy Grady. Quick, any, any surprises to what, I, to what you guys think? No. No? Nah. Okay. For Ben, <laughs> yes.
2: Okay, I have my MVP as Tommy Grady. My Rookie of the Year is Fabian Guerra My Defensive Player of the Year is James Romaine. My Offensive Player of the Year is Arvell Nelson. Wide Receiver of the Year Malachi Jones. And for Coach, I have Keefe. Uh, I think Arvell has to win one of these big awards. He even might win MVP. Be- I mean, he has more touchdowns than Tommy Grady if you combine his rushing stats. So that's I think that's yards, so. Well, no, I know, but uh, but overall, Arvell Nelson is uh, providing a dimension that is. Not the fourth dimension. To yeah, the fourth dimension. He's playing four <laughs> D chess. Uh, the other consideration that was a little bit difficult was rookie of the year because I was definitely an Antoine Grant guy, yeah, yeah. but it's impossible to deny the w- what Gara is bringing on kick returns, and it's just it's above and beyond. So I think he has to get it for a rookie. Yeah,
0: uh, it was. A, I think ours are identical, aren't they?
2: Yeah, ours are identical. Our choices. I think they're touching. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, John, yours all right we've got coach of the year as benji mcdowell kicker of the year adrian Trevino, wide receiver malachi jones offensive player of the year tommy grady defensive player of the year james romaine rookie of the year fabian guerra mvp Arvell nelson
0: did you have any any uh any issues or any hard decisions in choosing when it came to mvp or or offensive play of the year john
3: well, I think, you know, I was looking at it from a perspective of who is like the best offensive player and who 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 would make or break my team and Arvell like I chimed in there is just like the he's like the next level fourth dimension extra important player that's going to change the caliber of your team and how it works he's he's the most valuable player but there's no denying that tommy grady is a touchdown throwing machine so that's why he gets offensive player of the year okay that's fair that's fair
0: well uh, do you guys think we're off our rockers do you think we have it right let us know uh, we are on social media. You can head over to our Twitter account, that's ArenaFan, or you can head over to our Facebook page to search for ArenaFan. Uh, also, we are on, uh, on Instagram, too. We are looking to, to do some things and add some things for our uh, account during the, uh, during the playoff run and also up to Arena Bowl. Also, if you want to listen to the archive of AFL tonight, you can do so by heading over to uh, Google Play Music, over to uh, Apple Podcasts, or to Spotify. So, guys, last thing of the week, as we usually do at the end of the year, we, we had to bring it back. I know we didn't actually mention what, how we did in our, uh, our DraftKings, um, but it's we felt last show of the regular season, we had to bring back our year-end GBUs, uh, the good, bad, uglies. Um, so, uh, without further ado, um, I'm going to start with you, John, on what was your good for the 2019 season
3: my good is an overall successful season uh with growth promise of expansion and just a really fluid operation this year everything went really well for the league as a whole okay uh
0: mine is somewhat similar my good but i'm going to be centering specifically on on the expansion clubs uh getting atlantic city and columbus surprised me when it came to their fan base and how well They were supported by their by their area, Uh, you know, no matter what the record was in Columbus, even though they were 111, they still drew and it keep growing and growing and growing. I also think Atlantic City had a couple of questions at the beginning of the year, but I think that they proved all the naysayers wrong. It just shows that even though you may be considered a Las Vegas type of city where it's not it's a destination city you still can bring in people from the surrounding area and and, and grow your fan base so uh, my good is specifically to how well those two uh, those two franchises
2: and their areas did this year ben uh, a little bit similar to john's my good is the current business model of the league which finally i think took hold this year in in a very clear way like what exactly the afl is doing now and i think uh like John said, it was a very clean season. Uh, It felt like we're in a very solid direction. The expansion is exciting. The AFL network was a great idea. The fact that it was on ESPN3 was great for accessibility. It was essentially everything we've wanted the AFL to be uh, in the last few years of of the struggle, hashtag the struggle. And I think this year it came to fruition and, and I'm as excited for the future as I ever have been.
0: All right. Heading into our next choices of the GBUs, we have our bad, and it can either be bad or bad, uh, just as a
2: reminder to everybody. Um, uh, ben, I'm going to start with you. Uh, my bad would be DraftKings in general. Uh, the incredibly low engagement numbers, which sometimes are under 100 total for a week, uh, when the league's, the premise of the AFL's business model, on top of everything else, but their lead marketing direction is the hashtag bet on us, sports betting friendly league. Uh, it just didn't, work this season. I don't know whether this will change in the future, but DraftKings was not uh an interesting product for people to use apparently. And um also didn't really love our DraftKings segment. <laughs> 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 I would rather bring this segment back every week.
0: Okay, wait, wait, I I have no problem doing that. I have no problem doing that.
3: Uh John, you're bad. My bad is actually how unbalanced the schedules were this year Mm -hmm. you know we had uh some teams never going to a city and other teams going to a city multiple times so as short and sweet yeah there 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 were a a lot
0: of things that that i I could have chosen but uh i'm actually i I could echo both of what you guys had but um for, God, you make, guys are really making me think now. Um,
2: <laughs> what we do here on the night, we make Timmy Gappa think. Oh, I'm thinking my brain is starting to hurt. Um, Tim's German now. <laughs> Hour three, Tim becomes German. Um, I,
0: <laughs> I think my bad still would go to um, how the league eliminated the one minute timing rules.
2: Oh, that's a great choice. I didn't even think of that. I mean, it's obvious. Uh,
0: it's. I mean, I know. I, I probably people are probably saying, Tim, you're harping on it a little bit too long, but uh, it is something that really changed the game. Um, you know, as as was mentioned in the the you know the interview before that we had with the round roundtable, um, you know, said can said hate said hates every time with it with the kneel down. That's kind of how I feel about this. I am hoping that there that the league will look at it. The league scoring—I know they will probably say it was down one possession each—but to me, it
2: was still down 14 points a game this year, about 14 points a game. I think it's—it's it's most importantly not even about scoring; it's—it's it's about the drama of the ends of yeah. games and games just ending, you know, without any sort of contest. That's the bigger issue, I think. Scoring, I think, was okay. I think we ended the season. On a fine note, yes, there were really low games, but generally we were seeing some exciting AFL games with high scores. Yes. It was really just at the ends of games, there were many instances where the drama was just sapped out of it because there was no chance for the other team to yeah, come back.
0: I, I agree with you. I agree. I know we know, we, I mean, the, the one of the pl- positives is that the coaches did adapt in such a way, but uh, I hope the league will revisit this and look at, at this seriously. Um, there can be other ways to cut. Game times, whether it be from a, a 35 second clock down to 25 second clock, um, just put back the one minute rules. Make some modifications if a team is is up by 14 or up by 21. Say that you can waive the rules. But anyways, for me, the long story short, guys, to me, the my bad is the elimination of the one minute timing rules. Uh, ugly, U G L Y. You ain't got no alibi, uh, Ben. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was just absolutely insane uh my ugly is obvious it's the sole home uniforms and I said nice. it since day one I'll say it again those things are absolutely trash um they're away uniforms their new ones that they updated look great they sh- I think they should just take that template and switch over but I think it was a bad look for the league to have such garish minor league looking uniforms floating around Um, and and I hope to gosh, they change. I have a feeling they will change their jerseys next year.
0: I'm, I'm hoping so too. John, what about you? What is your ugly?
3: My ugly is seriously so ugly. It's like the third year in a row that we've had a team go with such an abysmal record that it's completely unbalanced. The standings into oblivion. Uh, my ugly is Columbus going, uh, one and 11, unfortunately. um, much like the Valor went two and 10 and three and 11 in previous years. Uh, it's just not good for the league, I think, or, I mean, you don't ever want to see a team, a team lose in any professional sports organiz Like, you know, it, it's just not good. It doesn't look good. That's my ugly. Yeah, yeah. Agreed.
0: My, my, ugly. exactly to, 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 uh, to sort of go on what Ben said earlier is that for me, the ugly would be the unbalanced schedule. Uh, you wouldn't have had, I mean, so many different playoff scenarios. I mean, it's, you have, you know, as Ben said, you have expansion clubs that come in. You don't even show up in another city. I mean, uh, Baltimore and Albany played once this year. Um, I'm Obviously it may have just been a we actually we don't know the real reasons behind why the schedule is made this way but with the possibility of more than one coming in, one team coming in next year, uh, hopefully it'll be a more of a balanced schedule and uh, um, wow, uh, possibly two divisions. I, I, I'm not pushing for that but um, who knows? But uh, for me, my ugly would be the uh, severely unbalanced uh, schedule for the for the for the entire season. So, um, guys, I uh, I am as usual uh, uh, very appreciative of having you guys on the pod. Uh, it is again at the end of another regular season. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's it's pretty crazy. But we got the playoffs coming up. Uh, we have the Come okay, you know what? Everybody joked about it before. Give me something else to call it besides I I'm retiring silly season. It's done. Yes! It's done. It's done. Give me, give me something else. <laughs> it's done. That is, so I think, is, I think,
2: underground, six feet under,
3: six feet. I, it died with us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yes,
2: it did. SpongeBob.
3: Rest Sponge in peace, SpongeBob. Yes, SpongeBob.
2: SpongeBob. Yeah, let's oh, uh, call it maybe the po- postseason. Okay, the postseason. I think Dan. How about
0: this? I'm changing it from one S word <laughs> to another S word. Uh let's call it the. Um,
3: I was going to say what, Dan. What, Dan earlier said yeah, the serious season. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Uh, okay, that's. fine. <laughs> <laughs> think, think about it. Just I, sleep I had on something this. in my head before, but it, 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 as John said something I was like, "Damn, it's gone." Why does it call it?
3: Shit, my bad. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, no worries. Um, you guys have plans for the uh, first uh, round of the playoffs, right? Hell yeah! I'll be up in Albany with my boys. Nice,
3: nice. And, I'll be I'll be in Washington on Sunday.
0: Okay. I will be there <laughs> with you in spirit, guys. Um, I wish I could could be at the game in Albany, but um, I will uh, I will be watching uh, watching from my couch and and. Uh, 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 Hoping that
2: these two series are good. That's all that really matters.
3: So. so the ghost of Timmy Capper is going to be joining me this week. Yes, Just Timmy
2: wonderful. C will, again, astral project
3: I will be uh, at, at both, both venues. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, guys. Well, have a safe trip. I will speak to you, uh, obviously, during the week. And to you, the fans, enjoy the playoffs. The second season is upon us. There it is. The second season is upon us. So enjoy the playoffs. We will talk to you guys next week. So for everybody here at AFL tonight, for Ben Fraternalli, for John Stark, I'm Tim Capper. Watch the rebound off the net.